The last one's at the bar. Exclusively talks about the sport of boxing. Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar, the podcast where we devote an hour or so to discuss the sweet science. My name is William Henry, and I'm joined by Daniel Lee and my man, man, Lavelle Jackson. How are we doing today, fellas? Can't complain, man. Everything's everything. Everything's lovely. Just ready to uh, get the show on the road. I'm feeling good, man. I'm I'm a little tired. I'm not gonna lie. I, I went to shoot around this morning just to do some kind of active recovery. Ended up playing two games of 21, but they were like tough games. So my turbo a little bit low, but I'm gonna thug it out though. Oh, that's what's up. Did you win? I won the first one. The second one was uh one of those close ones where like everybody had 19, and another guy was playing defense on a guy that ended up winning. He hit a he hit a three to to win it. So it was the second one was super close. Oh, okay. So he he was getting his uh Damon Lillard on. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. A little bit of that. A little bit of that. Yeah, man. That's 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 what's up. Um, yeah, I had a really busy weekend myself, you know. But enough, you know, I, I don't really want to discuss what it is that I was on. You know, it's good to hear that you out there getting that exercise though, in though, Danny. You know what I'm saying? That's that's very important. Ben, what's your exercise regimen looking like nowadays? A lot of elliptical, like maybe half hour of elliptical every time I go to the gym. Just trying to take it easier on my knees because when I used to jog, it was like a lot of wear and tear. But now that, the, you know, the weather is getting a little bit warmer, getting better outside, it's time to, to go back to hit that pavement, even if it's lighter. So I do, a, you know, 30 minutes elliptical and do some, uh, you know, heavy weight lifting, you know, pretty primarily uh, deadlifts and, and, and uh, bench presses and, and pulls and stuff like that. So mm. that's that's it. Yeah, like you know, we had a discussion off air um before, you know, I've been trying to do the same thing as far as these knees is concerned. You know, I'll be having a that the the feeling to get out there and push it a little bit more, but you know, I think more so for me I'm trying to maintain like my decent eating habits that I have, but sometimes it go by the wayside on the weekend. But um you know, I do want to pick that cardio up a little bit. But as far as that weightlifting, man, I don't be wanting to add too much more bulk as I get older. You know what I'm saying? It's just a little bit more for me to move around, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So I try to shy away from that. But, man, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about this weekend, man. I, I was kind of concerned because you had the AB card that was uh, postponed or whatever, and we'll discuss that a little bit later on. Or we may not, you know, but that is something that we was going to highlight this week. But we had some barn burners of some fights that took place yesterday on the zone. And before I go ahead and kick it over to you, fellas, man, I really am appreciative of the zone. Like before we had a conversation back in the past where I was saying that the zone's going to be out of here. They're spending too much money on nonsense. But, man, they really holding boxing down. And yesterday was one of those days that you have to really appreciate having that app. Um, so starting off, we can go ahead and, and, and talk about the fight that took place earlier in the day. And that was the Mauricio Lara. He took on Lee Wood out there in the U.K., Vail, talk to me, man. What, what did you think about that that fight? Yeah, it was a good fight, man. They, they, they just ain't learned nothing from Josh Warrington, man. Like it's like the Briz ain't learned nothing. I mean, it's like that that left hook is just like kryptonite. Man. So Mauricio Lara, you know, did it again. You know, landed that that trademark left hook, hurt Lee Wood uh, pretty badly. I think in the seventh round. So starting off, this this fight was. Kind of shaping up to what I thought it would be, where Lee would, would be the the you know the better boxer. 
Um, and it was he was definitely landing some great jabs, boxing very, very well, trying to keep Lara at a distance. But one thing I did see is like early on, um, Mauricio Lara, you know, he was anxious and he was ready to, he was lunging in and, and hitting that left hook. Uh, and even, even though it wasn't like hitting probably as, you know, perfectly flush, the fact that he was like really, he was able to jump in the range and, and kind of really catch Lee Wood. I was like, oh, this might be a problem later on. But to that, up to that point, I was like, okay, Wood, he's taking it well, so he should be all right. So Lee Wood, which is jab heavy, you know, throwing uh, a lot of jabs. Uh, I think it was a clash of heads in the first round, which uh, bloodied up Lee Wood. But this fight was kind of even, I think, around, you know, the first four rounds. I think uh, Lee Wood was just edging it. Lara was winning, probably winning a few rounds, but it wasn't like, I wouldn't say he was winning the fight up to that point. And then I think around the fifth, sixth round, uh, Lara looked like he was gassing a little bit, you know, um, and, and Lee Wood, since that, he was kind of getting comfortable, which in some fights is a good thing, but in this fight, it got, it, it, it was something that that worked to his disadvantage because Lee Wood, he was, he was, he was starting to, to land more paws on Lara as he says he was getting tired. And he was landing that jab. And in the middle of landing one of those jabs, Lara, you know, just, just timed him, caught him with that left hook and, and, and put Lee Wood down. So Wood got up. He was hurt. I, I, at first I thought that there was an early stoppage, but after, you know, after his corner threw the towel in, it was almost like they were trying to, you know, keep <laughs> Wood standing up. So he was legitimately hurt, you know, and everyone knew that. So, um, good win by Mauricio Lara. But it, it was very impressive for him to turn a fight you know, around like that and pretty much end it. I, I think it was something that did happen after the fight where it was some controversy where I think they say that Lara went through the ropes and allegedly Josh Warrington claimed that Mauricio Lara spat on, spit on him. <laughs> so I, I saw some of it, I, like he just said something to, to Warrington and, you know, it was some some words exchanged there. So maybe, maybe the, you know, a, a third fight between those two are coming. But it was a good win by Mauricio Lara, you know, especially in this fight, in the fight that if Wood would have stayed on his feet, I mean, it looked like it was going to be a long night. But, you know, as, as professional fighters do, he was able to, to seize the moment. Yeah, man, this is one of the before um, the next fight came on later that night, I was like, man, this might be fight of the year right here um, where you had. Well, I'm just going to take a look at these punch stats real quick. When I see here that Wood, he landed 50% of his power shots. Um, and Laura threw 65 more and landed seven more. Um, but that, and he landed 60 power punches. And that 60 of power punch was the one that did the damage uh, where Wood, I don't think he could have continued. And if he did continue, then it wouldn't have been pretty bad for him. Um, I know that his corner, uh, you know, they were really adamant about it being a relatively early stoppage, but I don't see it like that. I think Wood is going to live to fight another day and he's going to live to fight a, a day where he's going to be disappointed in himself and kicking himself because they got to a certain point in that fight where I was like, man, he really has Laura's number. And Laura looked like he was wilting. It was, it was like the sixth round or fifth round it looked like he barely really wanted to continue. It took him like what uh, Wood was really, you know, energized and ready to go where Lara, he took like three, four or five seconds before he got up 
out of his stool. So I'm like, man, if you just keep that up, you know, be cautious, you know, not get hit with anything big, then he can really coast the victory because the jab that he's using, and he was using that jab not just only upstairs, but downstairs. He's using a stabbing jab to the body periodically that was keeping Lara at bay. I was very impressed with what, you know, I saw him against in Conlon, the Conlon fight, he wasn't able to take some of the punches he was taking from Lara, who I think is a bigger puncher than Conlon. I think he's one of the biggest punchers definitely at 126. I would venture to say he's one of the biggest punchers in the lower weight classes, just period. But you know, Wood is just not going to do that. He's not just going to, you know, abide by the game plan and, you know, coast his way to a victory. He just has that, those kahunas where he wants to seriously put some, you know, damage on his opponents. Also in his fight, I noticed how Wood looked much bigger. Like when he was throwing that jab out there, it's, it's just his forearms and everything just looked bigger than Lara. And that was just making Lara get more and more fatigued trying to get in there. A couple of things about Lara although he was victorious in this fight and you know, the good thing for him is that he's young. He's still only 24 years of age, but it's going to be a lot of things that he can take from this fight where he's going to have to improve because what I do notice about him is that he's a one trick pony. The same thing that you see throughout the fight is the same thing you're going to see at the, well, at the beginning of the fight is the same thing that you're going to see at the end. It's not much, you know, many tricks, you know, when it comes to large, just the power he's going to come in here pretty much in a straight line. He's not that hard to hit. And it's only a, a, a short shelf life on a fight fighter who fights the way he fights because he takes way too much punishment, you know. And a, a, after a while, it's not going to uh, bode well for him. You just it's only so much that you can take. But he has that zapping power, you know. Now, when it comes to the end of this fight, you know, like I say, I, I I thought that Wood was up. I only really could legitimately give Lara one round, like. And I think that was the second he came out there full, you know, guns blazing like Yosemite Sam or something. And, he, you know, he got that round. And then it may have been another one. But for the most part, I thought Wood just either did just enough or he really, you know, was banking those rounds because you got to keep in mind he's fighting in the UK. You know, this is really he's the A side, although he was the underdog. You know, they still really. It was so biased, you know what I mean, even as far as the commentating and everything. So you had to give Wood any round that was close. But I don't even really think, I just think legitimately he was winning the rounds. He was in a good space. Now, when it came to the seventh round, it caught me off guard. You know, I was calling a fight with my guy Ty uh, yesterday. That's the first time I was able to do it. That's really fun to do. Able to crack a group, you know what I'm saying, and, and just chill out and watch the fight and, and talk talk that talk. Um, but out of nowhere, Right. Wood, I don't know what he's thinking, because if you look as they show the highlights of the basically the knockout or the or the or the punch that put it into the fight, he basically took a deep breath, gathered himself and put everything behind that left hook when he threw it. And then you had Wood, who was trying to throw a left hook himself. And Lara just got there quicker. He had everything on it, even a little bit of mustard, a little relish and everything on there. And he caught that man right where he needed to catch him in order to turn the fight around. And, and, and he did. And Wood just couldn't take it. You know what I mean? Most fighters at 126 is not going to be able to take a left hook, especially when you're getting kind of tired and fatigued. And so that was it. You know, very impressive victory. This this fight right here really, I think, could be a springboard for Lara. 
because in in boxing a lot of times you have those fights where it's just not your day and then you know another fighter just has your number that day they're properly prepared he was in hostile he was in a hostile environment and he was able to get the victory you know against a pretty good fighter in Lee Wood so salute to both guys for putting on that was an excellent performance by both guys. Neither guy has anything to hold their head about or hang their head about. And, um, you know, shout out to the zone and congratulations to the new champ. Yeah, very good fight and very good showing from both fighters. I do agree with your assessment about Laura, who, you know, he's kind of there to be hit and, and what he does. I, obviously, his punches pack power. Um, and you know, like you said, Lee Wood was winning most of the rounds, but Laura's shots were just studying and they just had the most effect overall. But a fighter like that, and obviously, you know, me as a boxing fan, I'm going to enjoy that for as long as I can. But my fear with fighters like that is, yeah, when it gets bad and it, you know, that wear and tear eventually weighs on them, there's going to be that one fight where it's like they just don't look like themselves anymore. I feel like it's inevitable. But after, you know, for Laura, at least, after making his way on the featherweight scene after that Josh Warrington win, I was happy to see him finally get the belt that um, I felt like he really, you know, deserved for for a little bit now. And I thought that Wood, overall, uh, he did a good job of fighting his fight. You know, I, I thought that he would he did a good job of managing the distance overall. Um, he just got caught with that shot. And, and like I said, he was landing like the cleaner ones but when when Laura caught him he just caught him and and they just weighed in on it and, and that's and that shot that he took was the last one that was to take um so good fight I don't have much else to add um they do have a rematch clause and so I expect for Lee Wood to exercise that um especially in a fight where he was up on the cars the way he was and so um I look forward to seeing her running it back and I just want to shout out boxing in general because we're a month and a half into 2023 and we already we've already had like three or four fights that we we have said audibly could be fight of the year between this one, the one we're about to talk about with Neri and Hovindesian. Uh we had uh, Yard and Better BF. It's been some good boxing. You know, we haven't had the names and we're still waiting for those those big fights to materialize, but uh boxing is looking good right now. We have you know, Zoo and Harrison coming up and things of that nature. So shout out to boxing for 2023. But do you guys have anything else on this fight? The only thing I say is this. Do not hook with a hooker. Yeah, no. Hard pass on that one. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So later on on the zone in that evening, um, like I was alluding to, Luis Neri, he fought Azat Hovindesian. How did you guys, well, I know only you saw that, Will, you and me saw that. So what did you think of that one? Yeah, actually, I didn't watch it yesterday. You know, those fights sometimes come on a little bit past my bedtime. You understand me? So if I take a look at an early fight, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be no good for the second fight. Uh, but in this case, I was talking to somebody and they said that, man, that Neri Hovindesian fight was, was a good fight. So I said, let me go ahead and wake up and, uh, you know, check it out. And so as I watch, man, um, again, this is another fight that's definitely candidate of fight of the year. 
you had both guys in there who don't mind contact. They write it, they were right in front of each other, you know, throwing bombs. You got Hovanesian, I thought throughout the fight, for the most part, I thought he had took control up until he got hurt. I want to say it was like the 10th round. He ended up getting caught. And Neary, neither guy going into this fight had ever been on the canvas, I don't think. And I know they never had been knocked down. I know Neary, he was stopped by a body shot in the past, but he never was dropped. Um, or I should say he wasn't knocked out with a headshot. You know, when I look at the punch stats of this fight, you got um, Neary, he landed 195 out of 596 of the punches that he threw. Hovanesian, he landed 210 out of the 688 shots that he threw. As far as the power punches, Hovanesian landed 30 more, where he landed 180 to 150 to Neary. Neary was a little bit more accurate, but he, you know, he didn't punch as much. And so I thought early on, man, like I said it was good. Like these guys, like right in front of each other. Neary, he comes across as some of his punches don't look as hard as they actually are because he looks like he flails his punches at certain points. But he's really, he's he's definitely a better mover than Hovanesian. And but Hovanesian with that constant pressure, he he you know he was able to land a lot of good shots on Neary. He was going to the body a lot and it was having like a real deleterious effect on Neary at certain points where I'm like, man, somebody's going to go ahead and get up out of there. But around maybe seven, around round seven, I thought that Hovindesian really was taking control of the fight. And it just so happened that I don't know if he necessarily got too comfortable or Neary finally just like caught his timing. And every so often in the fight, he was catching him with that left hook, you know, and some counters and stuff like that. But he sat down really nicely on a left hand in the 10th round, and he hurt Hovindesian really, really badly. And so when he hurt him, fortunately for Hovindesian or unfortunately for Hovindesian, the bell saved him. And so Hovindesian in the 11th round was doing really well. Like, he's like, man, it's a really good comeback round. And uh, Neary really wasn't doing too much. But as soon as he ended up, like, setting him up for some more left hands, he just couldn't take it. I just think the wear and tear that Hovindesian was taking throughout the fight, it just started to cripple him, you know, once he started getting hit with those similar shots later in the fight. So Neary ended up getting a knockout. But, again, I just think that – and what I'm saying and how I'm, you know, breaking down a fight, it's not giving us justice in terms of just the – brutal nature of the fight both guys had their moments i thought that hovanesian definitely was leading up until he got hit but i'm talking about man there was some brutal action in there you know you're talking about a rematch i wouldn't mind seeing those guys go at it again but at the same time i may not want to see them go at it again anytime soon or even if they do you know fights like this is going to take a little bit out of you you know what i'm saying it's going to take a little bit of fights you know off the end of your career um, but shout out to both guys, man. You know, as you stated, shout out to Bison, shout out to the zone. Um, this was really, really a fan friendly fight. If you haven't seen it, this is a must must see, and this is definitely going to be a candidate for fight of the year. Um, so again, shout out to both combatants. For sure. You know, um, you, you did a good job of breaking it down. I'll just add 
you know, overall, I thought that Neri style was easiest on the eye. You know, he was he was a slick one. He, you know, um Hovanesian, he was the the unorthodox, aggressive one. And so, you know, when you broke it down like round by round, like whoever executed, whoever was more of themselves in that round were the ones that won that round. You know, and so like when in general in those rounds when Neri decided to trade. Hovindian would often get the better of those uh those exchanges um except for around four um or when when Neri just you know was able to be super sharp with those punches but at that point he had hurt Hovindian had hurt Neri towards the end of that fourth round but he was able to shake it off in the fifth I also like that Hovindian was you know when you have a mover like that Hovindian did what you're supposed to do with, with a mover you're supposed to go to the body and so they move less and and so he did that, uh, did some solid work to Neri's body, uh, which slowed him down. And um, and so when you, you know, as a brawler, if you get somebody to move less, obviously they're there to be hit more, uh, more so than they were when they were moving. Now, in the 10th, when they were trading, um, I actually had Hovindian winning that round. But then when he got caught towards the end of that round, you know, he never fully recovered. And, and that's how Neri got that stoppage. But... Uh, really, really good fight. I thought uh, Neri did a good job overall of just staying patient and landing those sharper, more effective punches when the opportunity presented itself. You already broke down the punch stats. Um, this move, this fight makes Neri, he's now the WBC mandatory for Stephen Fulton's belt. And so I don't know what the terms of the interweight Fulton fight is going to be, whether there's going to be a rematch clause involved or what, but uh, we could very well see, if the timer works out, we could very well see, you know, Neri against Fulton X or Neri against uh, Inouye, which I think both would be pretty solid fights. Um, did you guys, did you have anything else, Will? No, 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 no. Just excellent fight, man. Again, I just can't uh, emphasize enough that if you haven't seen that, that's one to check out. You know, at the very least, check them highlights out. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna check that out tonight. Matter of fact, man, y'all y'all made me a believer, man. I felt like I missed something, missed out on something, man. I got I got to catch up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a treat right there. That's a uh, treat, it, hey, tomorrow's the holiday too, so yeah, yep, yep, good day off. So, uh, also uh, next week uh, we have a a, uh, a fight between uh, Jake Paul and and he'll be taking on Tommy Fury. Hey, Danny, uh, what are your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, so, you know, kind of going through the tail of the tape, Jake Paul, he's 6-0 with four knockouts. He's 26, 6-1 with 76-inch reach. Uh, last beat Anderson Silva in October. Fury is 8-0 with four knockouts, 23 years old, six foot with an 80-inch reach. And he last won by unanimous in April of last year. This is an interesting one in the sense that Jake Paul is technically fighting a real a, a real boxer, quote unquote, which is what people have been wanting to see him do. And so um, it, it's going to be interesting in that regard, you know, um, because despite Fury being a technically more experienced fighter, Paul, he has the size and the power advantage. Um, and Fury, he has that reach advantage. And this is also going to be his first eight rounder. And so, um, Fury got some long ass arms, man. Like, I he, he, he does. No, but I'm just saying his build is weird. 
Yeah, it is. He he the type to be scratching his knees, you know, standing up straight. You feel me? <laughs> but <laughs> and he better use that jab. You know, that's one of the things I was gonna say. You know, if you if you got that that kind of reach advantage, you know, you got to use that. And but where it's gonna be interesting is he likes to use that to to arm punch a lot, and he loads up and he can get gas. And you know, Paul has his stamina issues as well. But you know, I think that fighting a, a slick fighter like Anderson Silva in that eight-round fight, I think that did a lot for his stamina. And Paul, he also likes to set up that – he loves to set up that right hand. And and both fighters, really, they're going to be looking to get that one shot, you know. Um, but Fury's challenge is going to be to establish that jab and, and, and get to Paul first so he can open up some more opportunities. And if Fury can do some work to the body – that's going to open up some more opportunities as well, like to, to Paul's body. Now, Paul, he is the slicker fighter. And if he can use feints to catch Fury off guard, I think he has a better chance of landing that shot that he loves to land. But I think that, you know, we have two young guys, relatively inexperienced fighters. There's bad blood between them. And the challenge will be for them to keep those personal issues and emotions at bay long enough to box their game plans and fight their fight. So I think overall, the fighter who remains patient and measured and is able to set those traps are going to win. I think I'm not looking at odds right now, but I think Paul is a slight favorite. And in my prediction, I'm actually going to go with that. I think Paul is going to if he's able to set those traps and and take advantage of a fury stamina and, and get him tired. I think Paul can can stop him in the sixth round. Big Paul stopped in the sixth round. All right. So, yeah, yeah. This fight been considered for, for I don't know how long. It just stuff just keeps happening and obstacles keep getting in his way. And by the way, Tommy Fury has a 80 inch wingspan, which is, yeah, to your, your point, Will and Danny, pretty long. So, Jake Paul's 76 inch wingspan, which is long in itself, but it's like that, that goes to show you how long a reach Tommy Fury actually has. It's, 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 a, it's almost Lennox Lewis level. I think Lennox Lewis is maybe like 84. I know Tommy Hearns is like 78, 79, something like that. Now, those are some long arms, bro. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. You know. Okay, okay, Fury. Yeah. Okay. And just looking at his build, he's, he, he's, it's almost like Winky Wright, where you know how Winky Wright used to be able to, like, hold his arms, like, right by his side, block his face, and no one could even hit him because his, his, his uh, forearm is so long. I think if someone refined Fury, he could probably do something like that, but he's not refined. So it's, it's interesting because Jake Paul, people look at his name, you know, YouTuber, blah, blah, blah. But you be told, he's actually a student of the game. Like, when you really take all that fame out of it, do actually trains, he trains hard, he's – he improves every time he gets in the ring. He has a decent one-two, and he can crack. You know <laughs> that right hand. He's he putting people out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Tommy Fury is like a person that should be skilled, but really he hasn't really shown me that. Uh, he hasn't, hasn't re- really reached his his uh, full potential. But I will say that Tommy Fury is technically the most experienced boxer that. Jake Paul has ever fought. Probably the only one that's a full boxer, like not a you know MMA fighter who boxed or you know an athlete. He's a 
a boxer, you know, training boxing gyms. This this is not, you know, someone training for a couple months. So and, and, and Vail, and yeah, Vail, yeah. this 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 the first fighter that uh Jake didn't go to the old folks' home to, to get too. You that know too, you know, because you know, uh Anderson Silva, he's like what 45, 46, probably older than that. So like 49, man. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. But 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 Silva was, was uh he he was longer than two like 10 years ago. So I'm gonna go against the grain and say Tommy Fury will win a decision over Jake Paul. For some reason, I don't, I don't think he's going to stop Jake Paul. Jake Paul is big, and up to this point, Paul has shown a good chin. And, and Tommy Fury, you know, hasn't really shown like he's this lights-out type of puncher. So I'm going to go uh, – I think Tommy Fury is going to win this fight by decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, – I mean – First and foremost, I, 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 Matias and uh, Ponce, this is not me, bro. I, 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 fellas, I didn't put this fight before y'all fight as far as prediction. I think that that fight definitely, we should be talking about that before Jake Paul and, and Tommy Fury. So if you listen to this, Matias and Ponce, I apologize, <laughs> man. This is it's pretty bad here. You know what I mean? But hey, hey, hey. With- <laughs> I, I, I agree, but I didn't, hey, look. Listen, they gonna man. get there. They gonna get theirs next week. They gonna have their time to shine. We gonna talk about that, right? I'm talking about those are some really. That's gonna be a really intriguing matchup. But anyway, you know, as far as this fight is concerned, you know, all of the things you guys mentioned is why we really don't know. Like who's? It's hard to kind of predict because these guys really haven't faced anybody like the other guy to know what they're going to do in this situation once they end up, you know, tangling with, with one another. And so, for instance, you know, you got Tommy Fury fighting a boxer for the first time, like a legitimate fighter, but then you got Tommy Fury who doesn't necessarily have the best resume. Like this might be the toughest, this probably is the toughest guy that he's going to face because you look at his resume, he fought dudes like, Owen. Oh, 30 something and two and you know what I mean? Like it's just like some really past glass Joes that he's faced. Also, when I look at both guys, technically Fury is better, but his chin, I don't know what's going to happen if he gets cracked by Paul. I kind of think I know what's going to happen because he looks like a mere kind to me. And I think that his legs will do a mere kind things if he gets tapped on his chin, but I haven't seen him get hit. He's fast. He's quick. He looks like he's open for a right hand. That's Jake Paul's signature shot. So, again, I I really have no clue. You know, you would think that at some point Jake Paul would be able to line him up for one. And, you know, the other thing, too, is how is he going to respond as far as his, his, his stamina? I've seen him have fights where he had two in the rounds. And so also with Fury, he does a lot of little herky-jerky stuff that you would think eventually he's going to wear down, um, you know, and get tired at some point. And Jake Paul, like you said, he does have times where he has a lull in the action. He um, buys his time. Um, He does a really good job of it against the guys he's faced. And who's really going to have enough. You would have to bank on Jake Paul because his power lasts throughout the fights that he's had. Now, when I'm saying this, it kind of looks like I'm leaning toward Paul. But 
I'm going to go with the long arm guy here. You know, I think that just his rhythm and I think that I think he'll be slippery enough where he's going to be able to get in and out. And he is probably the fastest guy that Jake has faced. And some of the little amateurish mistakes that some of his other opponents have made, he may not make them. I'm just I'm just leery of once the fight hits around the fifth, sixth round, how is he going to be responding? Because I don't know if he has those. I don't, I don't know if he has that in him, you know what I mean, to overcome adversity. And that's the only thing I question. I just think fighter for fighter, I favor Fury is just the intestinal fortitude. I think I know what Jake Paul is going to do in order to get a victory. I just don't know what Tommy Fury is going to do when the going gets tough. But with that being said, I'm a, I'm, I'm making a biased prediction here because I, I really want the sport of boxing to be victorious. And I just don't like the fact that you have guys, no amateur experience. They're kind of giving him a little bit much as far as a ranking. If he beats somebody who's not even close to being ranked, you know, it's just giving to him too much preferential treatment. And I just want the sport, you know, to get back to where, where it needs to be and, and honoring and respecting guys who really put in the work. Not necessarily that Tommy Fury's put in all of the work, but he's put in more work and he comes from a fighting background as opposed to Jake Paul. But I got to give Jake Paul, you know, much respect, though, too, because, you know, even though he's coming from the YouTube world, you can tell that he's put a lot of work and effort into it. But I just, you know. I just when it's all said and done, I just want when in a sport of boxing, those guys who really put in that work, you know, throughout, you know, like boxing is their life. You know what I'm saying? I want them to be rewarded more. But, you know, who knows? Where did this bad blood come from? Is it the fact that they had fights in the past and they've been postponed and stuff like that? Yeah, I think I think, you know, I think it was a few times where Tommy Fury pulled out. I don't know the details. I mean, we probably talked about it in the past. And Jake Paul was just, you know, he gonna, he gonna talk his, his stuff. And I think it got under Fury's skin a little bit. Yeah, let me go ahead and hit some of these. Uh, Taylor Swift is the, one of the best artists, you know, of all time. You know, that she, it, it reminds <laughs> me of one of my favorite songs. Because now we got bad blood. We used to be <laughs> mad love. You remember that? Hey, yeah, man. You, you messed yeah. the song up. <laughs> nah, I just did the remix. Y'all ain't hear that though. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, man, let's go ahead and move on to the next fight. You know what I mean? Like really the fight that we should have started off with when it comes to these predictions and recaps. I think it's on me, but I'm going to introduce it anyway. Um, next week, you got a fight between Sabril Matias against Jer Jeremias Ponce for one of the belts at the 140 pound weight limit. You got one guy that's undefeated, one guy who has all knockouts. It appears to be, you know, a fight that could be fight of the year type, you know, a candidate. But then when you look at the odds, one guy is a seven to one favorite. But with that being said, Vail, who do you think is going to be victorious next week? Yeah, I think this is going to be a violent fight. Very, very violent. Fight of the year, I can see that, but but Violet, I think 100%. Sabrell, Matthias, 18 and one with 18 knockouts, five for eight, 71 inch uh, wingspan, uh, taking on Jeremiah's Ponce, Ponce, 30 and 0 with, with 20 knockouts. So, Matthias, um, I remember seeing a fight, I think it was against Dado Sheev, I can't remember his name. I, I think it was uh, the guy that 
was trained by Buddy McGirt. And that was a very, very heartbreaking fight to watch uh, because the, the the young young man, he uh, passed away uh, shortly after the fight. And I wasn't sure how that was going to affect Matthias, you know, going going forward. Because some guys, they, they're they never mentally the same after an experience like that. Um, but looking at his fights after that, um, Matthias definitely approved. He even uh, avenged his loss with uh, Petros and Anayan, which that was his lone loss. This guy, very, very, very heavy hands. Not like lights out power, uh, but heavy hands, kind of like a, a bitter beef, except he's not really a skill. He's more uh, raw, rawer than, than bitter beef, but as far as just his, the heaviness of his hands, you know, uh, when he touches you, it just hurts. You can tell it hurts. Uh, he's that guy that, at, you know, 140, that, that you, you better not overlook. And I don't care what, if you're a top fighter or wherever you fall in that spectrum, if he's an opponent, you don't want to overlook him. I mean, he's beatable, but he's not the guy that you want to play around with. Pressure fighter, but he, he's definitely hittable. Ponce, he goes to the body a lot. Pretty good body puncher. He, he jabs. He, he uh, brings the pressure. Uh, but one thing he does do, he throws a lot of wide shots. And for an experienced fighter, I think he could be hit right up the middle a lot. But I'm not sure if Matthias would go that route, looking at the type of fighter he is. But that opportunity will be there for him. And he just overpowers guys, just brutalizing them. Uh, and he's a big guy for 140, you know. And I think that that may come into play. But the one thing that works against uh, Ponce is I, I, he hasn't really fought the level of competition that Matthias has fought, you know. Uh, and I think that matters. You know, I, I'm not sure how many boxes with winning records that Ponce has even fought. So uh, I do think this would be a, a violent fight. And I, and I think that Ponce will definitely, if he don't get Matthias out of there early, I think it's going to be a, a, a very vicious and violent fight. And I think I think I have Matthias winning this fight and stopping Ponce, um, I would say, by the, the, the 10th round. So I say a 10th round stoppage for Matthias. So what say you, Will? Um. Yeah, I just want to say appreciate you even um, putting it, putting this as one of the topics um, to discuss this week because before or prior to, I really wasn't familiar with either guy, and so it forced me to take a look at some highlights of both individuals here that are going to be fighting for this hundred and forty pound belt, and I was presently surprised, especially with Matias. Um, I think uh, Sabril. He reminds me of kind of a knockoff Donald Curry. You know, he stays there in the pocket. He has his own unique style, the way he shoots his shots. Um, the fights that I've seen, he progressively has gotten better. But he's a tugboat, man. Like, as far as just his ability to be, it just seems like he's just so strong and so powerful. And he just chips away at you, you know. And... What I did, I jotted down a few keys to victory from both guys based on what I saw, you know, uh, as far as their fighting style. I think Matias, he, uh, since he's KO'd everybody that he's he's faced, even getting the re revenge match that he had um, against the guy he lost to, you know, what he needs to do is I think that he needs to uh, land a left hook when Ponce is on the inside. Ponce likes to fight on the inside. He Ponce is not going to win a boxing match in this one. It's it, it's a couple of reasons. One, that's just not his game. Two, 
he gets hit too much, like from the outside. And he just he just likes to bang, you know. And so I think also what he needs to do is throw combos and don't linger on the inside when he's in there with Ponce, because I think that Ponce might be able to get some stuff off. Ponce used, used this little chopping right hand that he has when he's on the inside. And you just don't want to give him those opportunities. So you want to throw combos when you're in there and land those heavy shots because you're the heavier puncher. Also, what I've seen with Matias sometimes is he squares up a little bit. Not too much. He's very skilled. Now, don't get me wrong. But from time to time, he'll like what it is that he's doing in there. And he might square up just slightly from now, you know, every now and again. So just to avoid some of the shots, because Pont's going to be throwing some shots. As long as he's in there, he's going to be giving it all he has. You just don't want to give him any extra opportunities and just use those angles where you're just not an easy target for him to hit you. When I look at Ponce's um, punches, he doesn't look like the heaviest puncher to me, but, you know, the guys that he's facing, he is kind of hurting them a little bit. I just don't think, because it looked like he shoots a lot of arm punches, and he looks a little light in the anus to me, you know, in comparison to, you know, Matias. Now, Ponce on the other end, I think that what he wants to do because Matias is going to be coming in there with that that guard, you know, up, two hands up. So you want to go down the middle periodically with the uppercut because that uppercut will be there. But you don't want to fall in love with it where he can go ahead and uh, get your timing and then he clips you with his left because that left hook, that left hand, it's kind of like a um, hybrid. Like it's kind of a left hook, uppercut-ish type punch. But he, he, he uses it in variation. I'm talking about Matias. Like, that's a really good punch that he throws. That's why I say his style is so unique. Um, and then Ponce, he needs to use a little head movement and, you know, more head movement than he typically does. Not be in such a straight line and don't be predictable, you know, with his offense. Get on the inside. I think the inside is going to be your best avenue for victory because he just gets touched too much, like mid-range and then also from the outside. I think that by getting on the inside, he'll smother um, Matias's work better, you know. It's just like that, that, that gun analogy. When they say, if somebody got a gun in the room, do you prefer to try to run away and, and you really don't have any way to get, a, you know, like you're in the room with them? The best bet is to go ahead and get to the gun and, and smother the gun. And so those shots that Matias is going to be trying to throw. You you prefer to be on the inside. We don't get full leverage on him because he's just too powerful. You know what I mean? Like like you say, he's kind of a better BF type of brutal puncher. And you just don't want to be getting touched by him, you know, with full, at full capacity. I guess that's basically it, man. Because I, I don't see Ponce really having that big of an opportunity. He is a 7-1 underdog. And I just think that the punches from Matias is just going to be too heavy. And I think that he's going to be game for it. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the same result as most opponents that Matias face. And my prediction is that it's going to end with a ninth round uh, victory for uh, Matias. But this is going to be a really good one as long as it lasts. I think Ponce is going to have some, some success early. You know, but the fact that he is undefeated, you know, sometimes you got to beat the undefeated, you know, Niss out of a guy. But it's just going to be too much, man. Like those punches from Matias is just too powerful, powerful, you know, for any mortal. You understand me? You got anything else on that, Bill? No, sir. Um, what I will ask you is this, though. So you saying Pumps is going to is not going to win this one, right? Um, as far as uh, Matias, 
what do you think? Like, where would you rank him at the 140-pound weight class? He is a talented guy. He's a talented guy. I, I just think that 140 just has too much. It's very top-heavy with guys like, you know, of course you got Josh Taylor, you got uh, what's my, what's Regis, my name? You Regis, yeah, Regis you Progray. Got... Regis Progray. That's, the, that's top tier to me. Then you go down to like the Gary – uh, Gary Antoine Russells and, and Tiafimo Lopez. And then you have uh, Matthias, who, who hasn't really beaten the opponents that those guys have, but I think he's he's a threat. Like right? Matthias, he's in a great spot. And, and here's why I say that, is that he's the type of guy that people is going to overlook, and that's a bad thing, especially for someone who's going to fight him. You know what I'm saying? They overlook him. I can see somebody like Tiffany Lopez going to that fight and not really like who is this guy? And if he ain't watching yeah, the tape on Matias, Matias, it's gonna be say, it's gonna nah, hurt. He, yeah, I don't think he's one of those dudes that they know about him. You know what I mean? It could be somebody, you know, like I think it's easy to overlook somebody who really doesn't have that much punching power, like mm-hmm. a Martine or somebody like that. Right, right. And it's like, or you got a dude who they just you just don't know about him because he just haven't been on the scene like yeah but, but they know like you you as soon as you see him because when you told me about him i didn't know anything i'm like oh man it's gonna be another uh what's the, my man name uh who who about to fight roly i'm like oh that's gonna be puelo you know what i'm saying but <laughs> hell heck nah he not a he because he got too much power and he got he has too much skill you know what i mean he's just one of those tough guys he's not somebody that is like, like you say, you don't have a one-punch KO power, but you know that when you win there, as long as y'all fighting, he's going to be, like, really harmful to your body, and, and, and you better be careful. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be playing around with that dude because he he's slick, too. Like, some of that stuff that he does, he might, like, move. And, like, once he gets in that groove, oh, man, he's a thing of beauty to watch. But he's also, you know, shattering some of them dudes' uh, soft tissue in their body. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, I can see something like, uh, like remember when uh, Victor Ortiz first fought Merkel's Maidana? That was like, <laughs> afterwards, we always look back, but like, how can you overlook that and like really like not know what you're going into? But before the mm-hmm. fight, it was like Victor Ortiz is going to be the star and go to Foy was all talking to him. He put him in there, <laughs> he put him in there, man. And it was funny because you could argue that that Ortiz, of course, he had his moments, but you argue that he was even winning the fight as a, in a whole, but. Just them heavy mm. hands, man. They hurt. And he was like, uh-oh, nope, nope. I don't want to get hit no more. I, I want to speak when I get old. And that's – I think Matthias, um, even though he's not as, like, unorthodox as uh, Madonna, he's more – he made you more powerful at 140, man. He hit dudes. They going to hurt. They going to feel it. But you, you, Ortiz always did silly stuff like that, though. You just could never read him. It's like he always did something that was just – he was wired different. You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody hit him and then it's like he quit. He's like, dude, you went on a whole fight, man. Just trying to work through this little situation that you're going through. Then it's like, I don't know, man. He was just a unique soul. You understand me? But I get what you're saying as far as the comparison, you know, where somebody could not understand what it is that they're dealing with. But again, with in that situation, he wasn't really... um on the scene, you didn't know who he was. But people, he, Matias fought on Showtime enough now. And he's going to have that IBF belt if he's able to get past Ponce. 
they better not look no overlook no world champion. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, man, we can we can go on all day about that. But that's gonna be a goodie. You know what I'm saying? I'll be tuned in for it. I'll make sure I get my my midday nap so I'll be up. Is it showtime, man? They be having the fights coming on like 12, 12, 30. Yeah, yeah but the, it's, it's I don't think it's as bad as ESPN. At least showtime they start on time. Man. ESPN, whatever sport is on, you turn there. You're like, wait a minute, what's this? You can't even record in confidence. I gotta record the next show just so I can get the whole fight. So yeah, I'm betting on ESPN because they do that but stuff. I'm gonna tell you, and, and, and Showtime's defense though. I mean, and ESPN's defense. At least if I fall asleep the following day, I probably can check it out. Showtime be holding hey. on to them fights for a long time. <laughs> it's like a one minute, 15 seconds. <laughs> like, man, you don't get up out of here. But yeah, enough of that, man. Let's go ahead and get off into this news, man. It's like Gary Gnu. I don't know. You never you never watched the great space coasters back in the day, but they used to have this dude, man. Gary Gnu, he say no news is good good news, but you know we got some good good news this week as far as uh, some of these topics that we're gonna discuss. And let's go ahead and start off, man. You know you got Edgar Berlinga, you know he's a a fighter who shows so much promise early on, having 16 wins by 16 KOs, and then you know his last few fights, a lot of them have been going the distance and whatnot, but he's still you know one of those guys that a lot of people are interested in, you know, and so he was figuring out what he's going to do next after he uh, left top rank. They kind of decided to part ways. And so, you know, he had a lot of suitors out there, you know, but he decided, he said, you know what? I think the best bet for me, you know, thank you, Oscar De La Hoya. Thank you, you know, other promotional companies, but I'm going to go ahead and sign with Matchroom. Do you think that that's a good idea for Edgar Berlinger to sign over there with Matchroom Boxing? I, I don't know. Short term, I can see it. Long term, I'm not sure because short term, he may he gonna get it's some big fights that's available for him, but they're not fights that I think he can win. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that opens him up for you know a Canelo fight, a fight against Triple G. If you know, depending on how long he stays in, into the sport, and if he decides to move up or Bivol wants to move down to 168, that opens up that possibility. Uh, now, looking at it, from, from where I sit right now, it's hard to see a, a lot of those fights becoming realities. But I mean, th that has to be weighing on his mind yeah, in his decision to, to sign with them. And he, he, he always stated that top rank was kind of uh, holding him back and not really giving him the fights that that he wanted. Uh, but in, in a sense, it seemed like top rank, I think it was one or two fights that where, you know, he was kind of, you saw some, some chinks in his armor. And top rank say, oh, oh, maybe we need to help him develop a little bit more and give him some time before we start getting him this, these fights. So I think he's just, you know, impatient and he wants to challenge himself. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing. But I do think that if, if he wanted to, you know, get some a lot of great fights, if I were him, I would have signed with, uh, with, with, with PBC because that's where all the guys from 160 at 168, that's where all of them guys are, are at from 160 to 168, you know. Uh, and I think that's his, the best case scenario for him. But uh, he's with Matchroom now. I think it's a better move than top rank because I think top rank, uh, unless top rank was going to negotiate with other promoters, it, it would have been detrimental, you know, to him. Uh, considering that, that, that if they're not developing anyone that wants to say it right now. So uh, we'll see what the future holds. But um, I want to see what, what they're going to – his first – what Matchroom was going to set up for his first two fights. And before you jump in there, Dano, um, only thing about PBC, them dudes be fighting like once a year, if that, you know what I'm saying? Like, he'd be 
on the show. True. Someone be on them though, like Jamal Charlo. I think that he, I think he had a back injury or something like that, and it was some other fights that may have fell through for him. Then with PBC, Demetrius Andrade is not with them, so that would be a Man, nobody trying to fight. <laughs> hey, sometimes you gotta fight the fights, man. I don't think he'd be one to fight those. Hey, but no, I digress. I digress. So. I have a question for you guys with regard to this, but I guess I'll I'll say my piece first. If I'm top rank, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. I got this guy off of my plate. You know what I mean? Because it started to become more trouble than it was worth. From where for where I sit as a fan, as observer, it started to become more trouble than it's worth, especially when the fighter isn't seeing the same thing that the promoter is seeing, and and frankly, reality. And so, you know, the fact that he was talking the way that he was even after, you know, being suspended showed me that he still has like an overinflated view of, of where he is right now. So, um, you know, Eddie Hearn played into that more or less. You know, he said he wants the Canelo fight. Eddie Hearn basically said we can get you that, even though I think technically Canelo was on a three fight deal. And I think that uh, that Bevo fight might be the last fight of that deal. Uh, if he get, does the rematch or this this upcoming one might be. But at any rate, so here's the thing, right? So he signed to Mashroom and the zone, Mashroom is the zone. So the zone, you know, you got Golden Boy, Mashroom, and then you know, whoever else may be independent that can do a, a one-off on that network. So between those two main promoters, here's the names I found. You got Shane Mosley Jr. who just picked up a win. You got Bektamir Melikuziev. You got John Ryder, who Canelo is going to fight in May. Uh, Jaime Munguia, Zach Parker, Ali Akhmadov, and Gabe Rosado, who might retire after he fights Zerto. I don't know. We'll see. So oh, he's here's retiring. The <laughs> he's retiring. <laughs> right. I'm. A, I'm. A, I said might, but yeah, that's a likely scenario, right? Um. So here's the problem, right? So one, very few of those names. Like when I'm thinking of it, okay. Is he ready for Canelo now? No. Okay. Out of these guys, who do you who are this who are the sequence of fighters you put him up against to say he's ready for Canelo? So you got to figure that out as a promoter. And I'm guessing, you know, Hearn has his plan that we're not privy to, but you got to figure that out. The problem is, I don't think that the version of him that I saw last against uh, I think it was Alvarez that he fought. I don't think the version of him beats any of those guys. You know what I mean? And out of those, maybe John Ryder, after Canelo presumably beats him in May, maybe you beat him and say, okay, we have common opposition now. But I don't think that he's going to be in the spot that he wants to be in. And it might be to the benefit of Matchroom because, you know, Matchroom has these fighters they're already loyal to. And it's like you have a guy with a name and you can maybe cash him out. I don't know. So it's going to be interesting to see what the path is to this elusive Canelo fight that he that he said he wants. Because like leaning on the whole Mexico Puerto Rico thing, that's not going to be enough for him to land his fight if he's not delivering, and he hasn't delivered in about two years really. So the question I had, I guess, was: Do you guys see a path like a two or three fight path for him to fight Canelo? Yeah, that's what I was gonna get to. Yeah, they, they got it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, Berlanga, you in there, buddy? You know what I'm saying? That's the best choice that you have ever made in your life. Because what they're gonna do? 
is they're going to find somebody else. It's not going to be one of them dudes. Eventually, he's going to have to fight one of them. He's going to fight the, like, the least tough, toughest, but the best reward that he can utilize that in order to make this big fight and make a big splash going into a Canelo fight. Canelo understands the landscape of boxing. Boxing isn't what it used to be. You know what I'm saying? Canelo is sitting on a, on a uh, treetop looking and listening to all of this nonsense going on. I'm a cherry picker, right? Okay, but this dude over here, these dudes can fight these guys, and they're supposed to be, you know, uh, Tank can fight Ryan Garcia, and that's supposed to be a big fight. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, these other guys, Jake Paul can come out here and do his thing, and that's supposed to be something that people can gravitate to. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm the cherry picker. I done beat Golovkin, who's the best 160-pound fighter out there. I done beat Caleb Plant, who presumably is one or two, you know, with the exception of me. And then I also fought B-Ball, but I'm the cherry picker. You know what I'm saying? So if y'all going to sit up there and be doing that, and I'm fighting this level of opposition, then why should I keep working hard like this, man? What I'm going to do, I'm going to put them paws on, on my main man, uh, John Ryder, out here in Jalisco. You know what I'm saying? Right outside of Mexico City. You know what I mean? I'm going to have my home fan base. You know, they're going to go ahead and, you know, honor me and reward me, you know. And, and showcase and, and the praise that I'm looking for, the adulation that I need, you know, as I, you know, showcase my skills as the number one powerful pound fighter in the world. Um, I may fight another tough opponent, but at the end of the day, I might even go in the direction of, they said they're going to rank your boy, Jake Paul. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I might go ahead and get one of those type of fights. That seems like a thing now that people are interested in. So we might be able to do that. I might go ahead and, uh, you know, Go for the B-Vol fight. I'm not sure, you know what I mean, if that's what I want to do. But at the end of the day, two or three fights down the line, if I do go for B-Vol, eventually I'm going to get me a soft touch and I'm going to go ahead and get me a um, kind of a, a showcase type fight. And then also it could be, you know, publicized as this Mexican Puerto Rico fan friendly, you know, uh, event that 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 historically have been some of the best fights that have ever been made, but they just have to, and, and that's where Berlinga comes in at. So what Berlinga, what they're gonna do is get him a little soft touch that's gonna build him up as that powerful guy that we've come come to know. So he's gonna, you know, uh, mark you're gonna market him like that. And then he's gonna get him a writer or somebody like that, somebody who's ever whoever gets beaten down a little bit, or you know what you can do next. Get him a Yildrum fight, an Avni Yildrum. So he beats Yildrum. That's another Canelo previous opponent. Get him. Get you Ryder. Boom! There you have it. Let's go ahead, Canelo. He's going to get on that camera. He's going to talk crazy. He's going to call Canelo out. You know, he's going to say Canelo fighting all these old dudes. You're not fighting like the best 168-pounders. Uh, You're not fighting people who can knock you out. Fight me, chump. Then Canelo's going to go ahead and uh, accept the challenge. Next thing you know, single de Mayo of 2025. That's your matchup right there. Boom. Thank you later. Edgar <laughs> Edgar McLinga gets stopped and Canelo says, hey, you know what? I'm hanging up. I, I, didn't, I didn't beat another, a Puerto Rican already. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or you get, you get the Jake Paul. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Jake <you> Paul. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that's the direction boxing is going now. You guys have anything else on that? (laughs) Nope. All right. So the next topic.
So now you got uh, Josh Taylor, you know, who's out right now because of his injury. I believe it's a foot injury that he's had, he has that's going to keep him out for quite some time. But this past week, the WBO, they ordered Josh Taylor to defend against Tiafimo Lopez. They gave him 10 days in order to get it made before it goes to purse bidding. But what do you guys think about that, a, a potential Tiafimo Lopez-Josh Taylor fight? And then also, do you think that Josh Taylor should go in that direction or should he really, you know, focus in on his getting some get back against Jack Catterall? Uh, if I were him, I would rematch Jack Catterall. But when it comes to uh, boxing organizations, I mean, my question is, I think, is, is WBO the only title he has now? Because that's that's yep. the, the messed yeah. up thing. If he wouldn't he have is. vacated the title, the other titles, that, that would have worked for him. But because he vacated the other titles, now all his worth is in WBO. So he has to pretty much do what they say, uh, what have you, or pay some some step aside money or something. Uh, so it's not like Tiafimo Lopez is like a high risk, low reward fight. Uh, Lopez is risky, but it's some reward in that too. So that's a that's probably a more rewarding fight for than than I'll say Jack Catterall. But for for just personally, if I'm if I'm Josh Taylor, I think that Catterall that close win that you know a lot of people thought that he lost that has to weigh on him. And I know he wants to get back, but because it's a, a WO. Uh, order fight and i think jack catterall is like maybe number four or number five in the, in the wbo um i'll say hey get that fight with it tfimo lopez and then if you have to run it back with catterall because it's more so that catterall needs to needs to rematch josh taylor nah. more than josh hey, taylor nah. needs to rematch him <laughs> you know what i'm saying so if i'm him yeah take that tfimo lopez you know get that money man you know and, and, and go from there you said hey, no at the same time I said it in my head. Well, did you want to go or you want me to? No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm not. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna sit back, Danny. Let me go ahead and crack this book. <laughs> so you know, you said that you think Catterall needs it more than Taylor. I think that this was a perfect out in Taylor's mind. You know, he was the one that everybody's saying he got robbed. So, but he really probably didn't want to do it, and so to me this was the perfect out for him. Like once he got hurt and once Catterall was like, okay, I can't, you know, I don't want to be out of boxing longer than a year and took that stay busy fight. He was like, all right, bet. That's when, you know, the WBO magically ordered this fight and gave them this February 24th deadline. It's come to terms. And so I think that although Josh Taylor needed it more than Catterall, he didn't really necessarily he was going to do it, but I don't think it was top of his priority list. I think this is a a, a more marketable fight for him um, in, the, in the grand scheme. And so I think it was a thing that he pretty much took advantage of. Like his, he used his injury to his advantage for this. And so, um, you know, I, I just feel bad for Catterall, to be honest with you. And I hope that, you know, after this stay busy fight, whether he fights pro grade, which he's throwing out there or whatever, I, I do hope that he fights for a belt. Um, by the end of this year, because I think that based on his performance against Taylor last year, he deserves that. Yeah, I mean, it's not much more to add. I think that, um, you know, uh, Catterall, as far as the Taylor thing is concerned, I think he's in a good place. He's in a good space, you know what I mean? Because most people, most observers or a lot of observers, enough observers 
think that he won the fight. You know, some people think that that uh, Taylor won. But at the end of the day, Taylor was definitely embarrassed afterwards and getting dropped, having so much trouble with Catterall, his pound for pound ranking being, you know, uh, dropping. You know, some people don't even have any pound for pound rankings anymore. And so it was it was a, it was a poor, you know, performance, but it also just had, you know, lingering ramifications, you know, in a negative way for Josh Taylor. So Catterall, I think that Catterall may have Taylor's number. And that's the reason why I would feel bad for him, because he can really, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, show showcase that he's the better man than um Josh Taylor, and he may not get that opportunity. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier, that the 140-pound weight class, it's a lot of sharks out there. You know what I mean? And it's like you go in this direction, you got somebody like Matias. You go in that, this direction, you got somebody like Regis. You go in this direction, you might have a rough and tough, like Gary Anton, Antoine Russell. Or you might have another slick guy and Devin Haney, who's sure to come up pretty soon. You know, it's just a lot of tough fighters out there. Um, and so uh, we'll see. Jack Catterall's up there with him. I, I like his skills and what he brings to the table. He's kind of like the mongoose to those snakes. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Understand what I'm saying? So we'll, we'll see how things, you know, play out moving forward. Now, if they do fight, if he does go in the Tiafimo Lopez's direction, I would definitely say Josh Taylor. I would have him the definite favorite the only thing about Taylor at this particular point is I always wonder how long could he stay at 140. I'm telling this is like when he was fighting dudes like Ramirez and stuff like that because he's so big and strong. I was just wondering like the wear and tear on him like in those camps, how much muscle is he losing? You know, trying to make that weight because he's so big and strong. He says that he doesn't have a difficult time making it, but. He looks like one of the biggest 140 pound fighters that I've seen in quite some time. Um, so that that would be the biggest question mark for me with him going against Teal. But just if he's anywhere near full strength, then I would say that he would definitely, uh, I'm going to say definitely, but I would favor him to like stop Teal probably in the later rounds because Teal just doesn't look the same to me physically. He doesn't have the advantages and then psychologically and mentally you know, him questioning himself. I don't think you can do that with the guy with the skills of a Taylor and the determination that Taylor's going to have. Where are they going to fight at? Are they going to fight in the UK? If they fight in the UK, there's even going to be more pressure on Tio, you know, out there with those, uh, with the UK faithful, because they really go all out, you know, for their men. Um, you guys have anything else on that topic? No, sir. I mean, y'all really didn't make any predictions, though. Y'all didn't say who y'all thought was going to win if they do tangle them. Oh, we doing predictions? I didn't think we – I thought we were just talking about the fact that it was me. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just saying, I, I, like, who, who'd you favor, though? I mean, it's just – Oh, uh, Taylor, easy. I'll, I'll oh, favor okay. Taylor. I I think Lopez has a lot of things that he does well. What, mentally, I think Taylor is just a, a tad bit stronger. He's more focused. And I think that's going to work against Tiffany Lopez. I mean, Lopez, man, is best. He, he, he could be that deal, but I, last few fights, I haven't I haven't seen that. I mean, you could say that's probably because of the opponent, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, sitting up here talking about, do I still have it? My God. He's yeah, like man. He's not, <laughs> they say, I was just joking, man. I was just saying that. Man. Something mentally is, is, 
is off with that statement. Mm-hmm. Even if he was lying, you know. So I'm like, where your head at, yeah. Lopez? Man, get your head in the game. Where your head at, bro? And Regis said, man, I since I heard that he can't fight me. He said, cause I have him done before the fight even start. Press conferences. I'm just gonna be in his head. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you have anything else, Danny, or should we go to the next? No, we we pretty much covered it. All right. So um, second to the last topic, we're going to bring this up again. I apologize, but the Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia fight, they say officially it's been signed for April 15th. You know what I mean? Are you guys uh, buying it or are you still, you know, not going to get your hopes up just yet? Eh, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I am. They say it's been signed. They didn't say by who, what, what the promoter signed. What? I, they didn't say that. Javante Davis put his ink on the on, on the on the paper, and Ryan Garcia put his ink on the paper. Honestly, you know, in, in a fight like this where so much being said, I gotta see the contract, man. I I, I gotta see it. <laughs> like this week on as the the world of Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis turns, <laughs> had they signed the contract. So, yeah, this is one of those ones where I just gotta wait till April fifteenth and see him in the ring. Because there's just been so much reporting on every little thing that's happened. The more reporting I hear on the fight, the less I'm excited about these days. Because it's just like, you know what we want to hear. You know what I mean? And so, like, all of this is good news. There's just been so much, like, little news about it. I'm just ready to fast forward to the part where they're actually in the ring. You know what I mean? So, you know, obviously a good sign. But... I'm not putting a ton of stock in it until I start seeing them do, you know, if when, when I start seeing the press conferences in different cities and, and things of that nature and the media workouts and that whole build up, then okay, the excitement will start to build back up. But right now, at the phase we're in, I'm I'm good right now. It, it's enough good fights happening right now for me to not really have to dedicate a whole lot of energy towards it, you know. Yeah, it's unfortunate now that you gotta like really do some investigating when it comes to these fights before I even get to that part. The other thing that trips me out is that they do so much talking in the media before the fight is even official. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're just waiting on this little thing, right? Like we don't need to know all that. Get it done, man. Like, I don't care about that because you keep getting me geeked up. And now I got to the point where it's like, you the boy who cry wolf. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just keep saying this type of stuff. Why are you in the media saying this, man? Go ahead and get over there on that negotiating table, you know what I mean, and get her done. So now what you have to do nowadays is, see, you don't even see it on box rec. So that's already a red flag. Like, dog, yeah, that, that ain't on box rec yet. You know what I'm saying? It's not official. You know what I'm saying? Then the other thing, too, I got to, like, when a, when a fight is supposed to be contractually uh, signed, I got to check the venue to see if it's actually, you know, book <laughs> you know what i'm saying and then i gotta go man come on dog like enough's enough with this nonsense man you know and all you're gonna do is really on both ends you're you, you can't do this anymore like in the past they had a little wiggle room but they don't have that wiggle room anymore because people are gonna get tuned out and it's like especially on and i hate to say it but especially on tank side and the reason why I say that, and that's the reason why I keep saying that that is Golden Boy's trump card, is because he really doesn't have anywhere to go with the exception of fighting somebody who may be even tougher than Ryan for less money. And so you that's the and so when people say, well, there's really A side and A 
A1. It's not really. Tank is the, the, the A side, generally. But he's close because of the leverage that the other side has. Because you really don't, okay, you know, if y'all want to do that, then we just not, we will fight somebody else. And they can do that. But then what are you going to do in response to that? Because people are not going to want to see no more Hector Garcia's because like you all said, that's the reason why you was willing to accept a Hector Garcia before. But I don't think as many people is going to be willing to accept no Hector Garcia type fighters if you don't get this one done. So hopefully, man, they quit the nonsense. You know what I mean? It's already getting me aggy because of the fact that y'all sitting up here talking about this, the best, best fight, and the biggest fight, the 135 pound weight class. And the man who has all of the belts, they just ignoring him, you know. <laughs> Take fight, is, no show Shea Foster or oh, Shaki Foster. That's who he's going to fight. Garcia <laughs> fight will come through. Right, right. We 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 not ha- we not having that tank. You understand what I'm saying? So, but again, man, I just want to put this out there because I don't want you Baltimore dudes running up on me. You know what I'm saying? I got hands too, bro. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, tank. I like tank. Just I need tank to step his game up as far as who he's going to fight, especially if this one isn't made. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be able to root for, like, we know at 154, who got all the belts? You got Charlo. That's the man. You know what I'm saying? Who at 168 with all them belts? That's going to be your boy Canelo. What about when when, when Josh Taylor? Josh Taylor was that dude. You know what I'm saying? So let's not try to, you know, make things, you know, fool people. You know what I mean? Because if you got all of that, that hardware, that's the direction that, that people should be going because that's what it's there for. Well, that's all I got on that topic, man. The last thing we're going to discuss, Frank Martin was in there, you know, about a month or two ago in December. I know, you know, he had to fight against uh, Michelle Rivera where he put on a dazzling performance. But it just came out that his opponent, Michelle Rivera, a.k.a. Lil Ali, looking like Julian Jackson, he tested positive uh, for a banned substance. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's just stupidity from from Rivera's in in his camp, man. It's just stupidity, cause cause you tested positive in a fight where you know you're trying to make weight and you lost anyway, and it wasn't a title fight. You you might as well just come in overweight, you know what I'm saying? If you if you have an, or or contract the fight at a higher weight, because uh, Frank Martin did what he had to do, he made his weight, so it's like <laughs> it's like well. That's even worse, man. See, it'd be different if you won, you know what I'm saying? They, they could take it away from you, what have you. But you you did all that, and you still lost, man. So what, what does that make you look like? I mean, so, yeah, you, you're struggling with weight. So it's like if you're struggling to make 135, why are you even fighting 135? Because it's not like he is a campaign to be a champion right now. He was more so a prospect, and he doesn't have a belt. So it's like if you can't make 135, why are you fighting at 135? Yeah, I can answer that for you because I heard him say that before. What he was saying is that he was um, he felt like he could make the weight. But the reason why he never moved up is because they were talking about the four kings and that he knew he was better than those guys. So he was going to wait around to be able to prove it. And that's the reason why he stayed at 135. But this is before he tested the pause. That's, that was right. his rationale for staying at 135 because right. he says more money and everything. Now. Right. Like like what? Three of the four kings are probably going to be at 140. So, um, well, if you want to look at a traditional, I, I don't want to use that statement because they talk the four kings and they really, to me, they're, they're really not. You know what I'm saying? And then they leave off, uh, what's his name? Stevenson off that one. But 
You know, Tiafimo Lopez, he fights at 140. You know what I'm saying? Ryan Garcia, he says he's fighting at 140. And Tank Davis, he fighting Ryan Garcia. And he and Tank Davis has fought between, you know, 130 and 140. Probably going to be 135, 140 from now on. Um, then you have Devin Haney. Devin Haney ain't got too long at 135, so he moved up to 140. So why are you sticking around at 135 if you're not going to go after the man with all the belts right now? You ain't ready. So you might as well just campaign at 140. Maybe maybe 140 is too tough for him. Maybe so. But, hey, you should have thought about that before you became a boxer. <laughs> well, I mean, to respond, to respond directly to that, I believe the intent is to move up to 140 once that suspension is lifted. I, I think, you know, with the Frank Martin fight, they just got that opportunity because he had just fought in like October and then that, the opportunity came up. And so, you know, he was like, heck yeah. Cause you know, it, it, it would get him closer to what it was that he was sticking around for. But, you know, to just kind of lay out the context, you know, uh, he, he, he tested positive for the, the diuretics uh, that are pretty much identified as, as water pills. They're supposed to, the, the two that he tested for, um, they're supposed to help reduce fluid and, retention and reduced blood pressure now his team had said that they were given the drugs as vitamin capsules and they were unaware but me just you know having been in boxing gyms and, and whatever like it's hard to envision that because it's like if you're a world-class boxer like how does that even happen like somebody comes up to you like hey i got these vitamins and you just try them without really knowing what's in them or you don't know like i don't i don't know like that there's not a whole lot of information in that for me to work with because what I have just, if I'm in that position, I don't have a logical reason to trust whoever it was that gave me that, you know, because it, it just never sounds good when you say, Oh, we got that. And we, we didn't know what, what was in it. We thought it was this. And then you're moving, you're moving up in weight all of a sudden. And kind of to your point, Vel, you know, uh, Brett, man, I, I follow him on Twitter and he was saying that, you know, these type of things, they, they mask PEDs and they're banned. And if they allow you to fight at a weight that you can't make without them, you're getting an advantage. And so whether you know it or not, it's going to look bad on you either way. And so, um, you know, it, it's not a it's not a great look. And it's just unfortunate because, like you said, he lost anyway. Uh, there was nothing to really be gained from that. That's all I got. Yeah, I kind of um, believe Michelle Rivera. And the reason why is kind of frequenting the Dominican Republic. That shit, the wild, wild west. You know what I'm saying? And and a lot of times people, you get certain things that it, you don't know. You know what I'm saying? But if you like live there, they do a lot of stuff that's, that's weird. Um, it, but at the end of the day, it, it may have had the opposite effect of what he was attempting for it to have for him. Um, because he just didn't look like, to me, he looked the opposite. He looked r rather flimsy. Like he looked more weaker in that fight than I've seen him look in the fights leading up to it. So whatever was in the system, it, it definitely um, didn't help. And then also trying to drain himself to make that weight where he said that it was kind of difficult making that, um, you know, you live and you learn. Like some situations, I think that guys, um, you know, it's, it's the intent. I, I honestly don't think that that was the intent because being around those Dominican Republic people, that's the, and I, 
I hopefully I'm not coming across as somebody who's sounding um, stereotypical, but just based on my experience around them, that's why when you have guys like Hector Garcia, um, Cuello, and then even Michelle Rivera, when they're fighting some of those American fighters that are from some of those rugged areas or who come from that tutelage of like a Derek James or they come from like Philly or something like that. I want, and, and the, the, the talent is close. I would never pick them against them because of their temperament. If you ever out there and you're around them, they are just so genuinely nice people. They can, they can be the most talented, but at the end of the day, when it comes to like just the, that inner, like the self in order to just get something done like with you know when, when the stakes are down a lot of times they're not willing to do that they, they they're okay with whatever it is they attempted to do and then they'll give in to it whereas you will have somebody who's willing to die for what it is that they um are attempting to do and i just don't get that from them just culturally you know what i'm saying and so i just think in this situation he may have been um introduced to something that he thought was okay it was cool to take just because he was trying to make weight or whatever but at the end of the day you're responsible for what you put in your body so whatever punishment that they give him i'm cool with that as well like i say you live and you learn you know anything that happens whatever happens is always a good thing because if it's positive you learn from that if it's something where you have to be reprimanded you also learn from that so i think that this would be a teachable moment for him and his camp and they can do what it is that they need to do moving forward that's the last topic of the day man that was some good boxing talk man did y'all have anything else on the michelle rivera situation <laughs> no no anything else you got in closing no sir no nah, man that's another good app man you know so i ain't get a chance to crack that bruce let me go ahead and you know pop pop that uh hardywood you know what i'm saying it's a company that's out there in richmond very delicious beers you know what i mean i'll be giving free advertisement but uh yeah, man. Looking forward to the fights next week. I don't think we're going to be able to check out the Jake Paul or be able to cover the Jake Paul because that's coming on Sunday night, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, we definitely going to be able to get that Matias and Ponce, you know, uh, Danny, you know, make sure that you get that prediction in. Don't, don't be trying to wait until you see one of the <laughs> fighters get get wobbled. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> so, we're going to get you on record, man. But, uh, yeah, man. I just appreciate the conversation. On that note, man, we out. Peace. Peace. Peace.